Does music have a color? More specifically, does jazz music have a color? The question during the 1960s came to be, does skin color affect jazz music and the way we experience it? And should it? Welcome to Jazz Stories from Jazz at Lincoln Center. I'm Steve Raff. Jazz musicians were some of the first to break the color line. Benny Goodman made history with Lionel Hampton and his bands beginning in 1936. But during the Civil Rights Movement, blacks and whites questioned, was jazz black music? And who did this music belong to? Nat Hentoff faced this as a writer and editor for Downbeat magazine in the 1950s. In 1960, he supervised the recordings on Max Roach's We Insist, the Freedom Now Suite, and on his Candid label, gave musicians including Charles Mingus and Abby Lincoln a platform for their strong protest voices. In January 2008, Nat Hentoff sat down with musician Don Byron and Dr. Lewis Porter to revisit the color question for Jazz at Lincoln Center's Jazz Talks. There's a political aspect to all this that I want to talk about for a few minutes. Uh, for example, Nat, 30-some uh, years ago, when you, you were just a little boy at the time, <laughs> uh, you wrote an article called White Rider Slash Black Music. Yeah. Quite outspoken. You said, one of, you mentioned Amiri Baraka's article, which I, I gave you a quote before where he said white people can play jazz if they really uh, try to understand the culture. But he also says in that article uh, that there are too few black people writing about jazz and that too many of the white people, that most of the white people who write about jazz are not musicians mm -hmm. and uh, they don't have that insider view of the culture at all. So you wrote here, that was in 63 and then some approximately 10 years later you said, one of the reasons I sharply cut down on my writing about jazz was a growing self-consciousness about being a white man explicating and making judgments on black music. You know, I was must have been jiving then because I started to write even more. Is that right? <laughs> Maybe writing that made you say, gee, wait a second, I feel like writing now. No, what, what really bothered me, and around that time, I had just been fired from Downbeat, and that liberated me, because I used to have to write about all kinds of jazz recordings. But I think they would be astounded to know what got you fired. Oh. Was it something you wrote? No, 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 no. Downbeat had offices in New York. I was the New York editor, and Chicago was the main one. There was one in Los Angeles. There was not one black on the staff, in any capacity, not even a receptionist. So the boss, I should have realized this, wouldn't have stopped me. The boss was a multi-purpose uh, bigot. He hated Jews, he was a racist, and a woman walked in one day, we, we were looking for somebody for the you know, receptionist, sonographer. She was black, so I said fine, and I hired her. They found out in Chicago, and that was the end. Years later, I wrote about it, and that woman called me up and said, by the way, I'm Egyptian. Oh, is that right? Well, according to modern theory, that's so, interesting. she was still of a general, let's say, species. But what, what bothered me was I didn't know enough technically about music. Okay. And I was uncomfortable with Downbeat writing a negative review that would cost somebody a gig or more than one gig. So when I left there, I finally decided I will only write and that makes me not a critic, but a sort of a fan, I guess, okay. about music I like. 
And what I've done since then in the books and everything else, I interview musicians and write about them, and they talk about the music. Now I feel more comfortable. It's more what you might call a profile yeah. as opposed to a criticism. <laughs> I call that a profile, maybe, or something like that. <laughs> but um, there are people who feel, I mean, you were producer of Candid Records, and there were some uh, political records there, for example, the fame, uh, probably the most We famous. insist. Uh, yeah, we yeah, insist, yeah, the Freedom yeah. Now Suite, Max Roach. And there was also Charles Mingus, Fables of Forbes, where yeah. you said, it's okay, go ahead and sing about how you hate uh, Orville Forbes. And, uh, but there are people who didn't disagree, and Ira Gettler's a friend of ours, but we don't mind dissing everybody, we're having fun. But the other thing is, you're, uh, even if he's changed his mind since, you are responsible for things you wrote. And of course he wrote in 1961 a very famous review where he said, I dislike propaganda in art when it is a device. He said, he was talking about Abby Lincoln's album, Straight Ahead, which was actually just before she I recorded that. Oh, that's right, that's your record label. That's, there you go, perfect. So you certainly know all about this. And he says, um, the notes state that Abby Lincoln's liberation as a singer came from renewed and urgent pride in herself as a Negro. And he says, um, now that she has find herself, found herself as a Negro, I hope she can find herself as a militant but less one-sided American Negro, in quotes. And American. then we had a session at Downbeat and uh, Abby let Ira have it. No, what that was all that about was... That was a published uh, yeah. round table from Downbeat. Abby had been a supper club singer. Okay. And then she met Max Roach and later married him. And Max got her involved in the whole race, bigotry, southern stuff, that what, the, what that album, We Insist, was partly about. Okay. Speaking she, out. Yeah. And she, found, she said she found her identity that way. Okay. But that didn't stop her. I mean, the album that he was talking about had all kinds of stuff in it. Ballads, folk music, and political songs. That's true. So now Abby says, I take everybody as an individual, but I, she, had to, she feels she had to go through that period to where she is now, oh, which is not necessarily the only place to be, but she kept growing. That's the point. So that's where she was then, and she sees it that way. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't yeah. feel stuck. She didn't feel that she was stuck yeah. there. It's interesting. But, yes, sir? I think, you know, a lot of white people really had problems with, with where blacks went in the 60s. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's okay for you to feel less than comfortable than you did in the 50s where we were all hanging out. Yeah. And maybe black nationalism was a hard pill to swallow, but it's our pill. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's kind, of, it's kind of our pill and our issues. And uh, if we didn't do it, in jazz, where would we do it? Right. You know, jazz is, is kind of our new music, too. Yeah. You know, we don't have like a separate, you know, like classical cast, they have a new music arm and it's completely separate and it's funded this way and that way. We don't have that. We just have jazz. And it has to, it has to be open enough that we can get some talk about, we can have a place to talk about politics as, okay. a, as a musician, yeah. that we can have a place to explore things that aren't so super swinging, that we, can, that we have a place to experiment and also to explore identity issues, which every other music does in exactly the same way. I you know, a, it's I, almost like, oh, for me as a white person, it's inconvenient uh, right. that, that okay. you're exploring this. 
in this music that I like. That's uh, almost what uh, I uh, uh, was saying. Uh, he felt uncomfortable. He felt it. uncomfortable personally. That was his, but his problem. Him. Yeah, that's his problem. You know, it's, it's his, his problem. problem. I'll it tell really you, let, let, let me give you a footnote about this black nationalism and white in the 60s. I wrote a novel called Call the Keeper, which was about the Lower East Side and what was going on there. And I got a letter from somebody in prison. And the letter said, are you black or white? The letter came from a guy named Eldridge Cleaver. <laughs> and I got to know him. That's amazing. I wasn't scared. I got to know him. That's astounding. But, but I, that's the most strangest response I've had yet. Black or white. The writer Nat Hentoff, musician Don Byron, in conversation with Dr. Lewis Porter. You can find more jazz stories, including Guggenheim fellow Randy Weston, at JALC.org and on iTunes. Jazz Stories is produced at Murray Street with support from Jazz at Lincoln Center. Consider becoming a member or joining us for a live performance. Find complete information at JALC.org. I'm Steve Rath.